like totally out of bounds. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, oh, I just realized there's another. Eh, whatever. Um, this is too fancy for me. There's all you like want to just soak stuff. that up for a minute and see if you can figure that out? I'm pretty sure I can't figure this out. I can see that it's saving to folder uh, zero one. Uh, it's actually zzz, oh zoom. yeah zero one zoom zoom, zoom, zoom zero seven. seven yeah um anybody that has done any amount of production of video or audio content knows the pain involved with the the amount of content that is that is created and then not usable due to lack of audio lack of video something cuts out. Right. Something isn't right. So then you have a great conversation and it's not recorded. It's not recorded. Uh, it's a lot. But after a while, you learn your lessons. You double check. You triple check. You make sure everything's plugged in. You check everything three times. And then you have backups for backups. So what kind of backups do we have on this display? So that is technically a backup to this. For audio so this, off of that? Uh, so that has its own audio recorded to that. Right. Lower quality, but still audio. Uh, no, it's the exact same because it's coming off of this. It's just recorded to that. Oh. Yeah. So even if I didn't get, if something happened in the audio, as long as this is running and as long as that's running, I will get I will get two separate things. So this is just audio. That is audio and video. Interesting. Uh, and I can I have just your track and I have just my track. So this is actually two files. So I if can put I them get together. really loud, I get really loud, you can tune me down for funds. I could literally t turn you off if I wanted to. So how, how do I turn you off if I don't like what you're saying? I'm not telling you. All right. I think it's just this start one. pushing buttons. I think it's this one. I think it's one of these two. I think one. I think I could just turn you off in the recorder. Maybe. Assuming hand. that I'm number one and you're number two, though. That's fair. But then you wouldn't get to hear anything I have to say. Well, I would hear it. I would just have to use my. But you wouldn't way. have it to remember forever. It wouldn't be on the internet forever. That's fair. Sure. I'm going to drink pre-workout during this podcast. And just you're going to drink. So are you going to drink pre-workout during the podcast because you're going to work out right after this? No. I'm just going to see what happens. I feel like that's a poor plan. Experimentation. That's how this works. Yeah, that's fair enough. Have you watched any of the podcasts? I watched some. So I watched clips of them. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I haven't wa sat down and like watched full on ones or whatever. Other than uh, sometimes Nicole does, so I'll watch. She'll be like, "You need to watch from this time to this time." I'll talk about that once we start. Oh, you're gonna talk about intro? No, 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 no. I'm gonna talk about where they're hosted. Um, All right. Here we go. Are we gonna start? We're they're gonna on start. the YouTube channel. I know they're on the YouTube. They channel. are on the YouTube channel. That's true. All right, everybody, welcome back to the he CrossFit Right Podcast, where we talk about the pursuit of health and happiness via CrossFit. For those of you that are wondering where this podcast is housed, where can you see and hear all of the great things that people like Matt, more importantly myself, have to say? Half of them, I finally got it figured out. There are four currently housed on the website. If you go, there's a tab in there that says podcast. You can literally watch the full video version of this on the website. Very nice. Very nice. In its entirety. One hour. Do it that way. The audio versions are not up on iTunes. I'm waiting for Jake to do a little bit more editing, but I believe this is episode number 10 that's that I've about done. Right now, huh? And those will be on iTunes very, very soon, and then you can listen to it in your car uh, and there as well. Uh, but check the website, and then we have like little clips and stuff on Facebook and Instagram. We're not going to house the whole thing there. So, uh, But, yeah, today we have with us a uh, longtime member, 
whole family comes to the gym, all the kids, him and his wife. Uh, it's a family affair. Matt Burmester, good dude, way smarter than me, extremely tall. So I'm going to bring my seat up so I don't look so short. Yeah, I'm actually sitting at the lowest setting. He's, He's got a book sitting, underneath his chair. He's yeah. sitting on the floor, and I'm actually <laughs> in a chair. Uh, but, yeah, I, there's a ton of stuff I would like to pick Matt's brain about. Um, introduction to CrossFit, you know, doing CrossFit, taking a pretty significant break, coming back into CrossFit, bringing your spouse into CrossFit, introducing your kids into CrossFit. I mean, there's so many, so many rabbit holes that we can go down uh, into on this episode. Um, but before we get into any of that, give us your life story. My whole life story? The whole thing. Wow. In its entirety. All right. So, but you have uh, to do it in 60 seconds. All right, 60 seconds. So I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Grew up among moving boxes in St. Louis. Spent some time. Uh, my dad bounced around a lot. Not military, just he moved a lot. And uh, we uh, spent some time in upstate Michigan. And then in like fifth grade, we planted roots in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, which is where I spent the rest of my time growing up. So I would consider that home from a kid's standpoint. And I um, uh, joined the Na- graduated high school in 2000. Uh, joined the Navy, uh, not straight out of high school, but in that year before, uh, let's see, I was at North Carolina State. Uh, they weren't telling me that I needed to leave, but I could see the writing was on the wall within the next year or so. I wasn't going to be good enough for the program I was in. Uh, I was a nuclear machinist mate for – Five years, uh, the Navy fortunate to get picked up through the Seaman Admiral program. Got commissioned. Stay twenty one. Stay twenty one. The best program, and I got in at the right time when that counted towards your retirement to just go to school. Um, oh shit! Yes. Really? Yeah. So that doesn't do that anymore. We're gonna twi- We're gonna take a quick detour here, All right, real quick, everybody. Detour. So this is something that comes. It's like what? It's like a. This topic is is, it's a wives' tale amongst Naval Academy graduates. Yes. And the wives' tale goes like this. Your four years at the Naval Academy, NAPS is different because that's actually right. service time. Right, right, right. NAPS is the Naval Academy prep school. If you're super dumb, mildly athletic, they send you there first. Once you go to the Naval Academy, it does not count towards your time in service, but apparently it does count towards retirement. retirement. So, yeah, so you, my understanding if what? you retire at 20, you would actually retire 20 at 24. Or in the NAPS. So does the uh, year well, NAPS count as the year as of a year the in 20? service. Yeah, so yeah. technically 19. So you'd start off on year the beginning of year two, basically. Correct. However, I don't know if that's actually true. So I have heard that as well, but I've heard it come and go. I think it's the great, uh, the great unknown that they don't tell you about. And really – most people quit before they get to the 20 anyway, so they never find out. I think it's complete garbage. If I had to guess, I am I am fully invested in to the the side that it is complete bullshit and it is not true. Well, I I could believe it. it would not surprise me that the Naval Academy is using abnormal recruiting methods. <laughs> <laughs> but for Seaman Admiral, it's now that's a myth as well. It's not a thing anymore, but but for, it was it was, and I got there at the right time. So I'm curious if I could find out if that is true or not. Now uh, I could probably for the do Naval some Academy. I'll do some research. Not that I'm going to retire. They were like, "Hey, we don't need you anymore." Well, there I was four uh, times. They told me that if it wasn't for the prior enlisted time, I'd be at that same point. So okay. now I'm I'm invested enough that that's not the case. Okay, sorry. All right, no, it's back good. on track. It's good. All right, so uh, commissioned through the University of New Mexico. Um, into uh, to be a submarine officer. Um, it's a long story. If you're interested sometime about uh, if 
fact that I didn't actually want to do submarines at all. Listen, we've got an hour. We might as well go right. there. So it turns out that the submarine force is not an all-volunteer force. It is an all-volunteer enlisted force. And they would like it to be an all-volunteer officer force, but it turns out that uh, if there's not enough people, they still have to man all the ships. And um, they do things like look at all these people who signed up to be a nuclear officer, and they say, hey, guess what? The paperwork doesn't say submarines or surface. And I say, but I wanted to be surface. You just didn't ask. And they say, we'll wait you out. So uh, I, was up, I was up into my very last semester. I was over a semester overdue to go to the sessions interview, which uh, any of you guys that don't know, every nuclear officer interviews in Washington, D.C. with the head of Naval Reactors, so it's four-star admiral. Um, not that the interview is hard, but it's a uh, tradition at this point. And they they just uh, played chicken with uh, my whole class. It happened in the Naval Academy. It happened yep. with a lot of folks out of that were in a situation like me. If you didn't want to go submarines and they hadn't met their quota yet, they just wouldn't take you to interview. So um, for me, that meant if I did it, if I waited long enough, I would get my degree but not commission, and then I would revert back to uh, being a first class mechanic. Uh, who was extremely senior and had zero experience. And uh, so eventually really? I blinked and uh, I became in submarines. Man. They were forcing guys to go submarines when I was at the Naval Academy who did not want to go submarines. A lot of aviators. A lot of aviators went that way. Which I find incredibly intriguing. Yeah, it uh, That is a massive amount of school. It is not easy. And you're not going to retain those folks. No, you're not, and and there's a few that you will because you're going to get them in and they're going to be interested, but uh, the majority of them are so disenchanted that not only are you not going to retain them in the submarine force, you're going to have zero chance to retain them for the Navy, um, whereas if you would have said, hey, uh, we have this big need, and, and uh, we'll give you a tour, one tour, and then here's a guarantee in writing that will give you an opportunity to cross over into another community, maybe you have a chance at retaining those folks. Maybe. Maybe. But most of those guys, I mean, these are some of these guys had seats lined up in flight school. Man. So not the case for me. My choice was nuclear or nuclear. And really, when I read my contract, I, I was kind of stuck. So I just uh, took took what I could get. I can't and, imagine uh, why a man your size would not want to be in a submarine. Well, at 6'6", six, six, it's not good. Yeah, my, my first submarine was a uh, SSBN, so ballistic missile submarine. It was the USS Nebraska out of Bangor, Washington. And uh, – and that class of ship is big enough that there are a few places I can walk around and a lot of places I can stand. Uh, second ship was here and zero places that I can walk around and like three or four that I can stand up. So, But you're just a boomer guy, right? No, or so I was a boomer. They, they switch platforms on, on you. So it. I did boomer guy first tour and a fast attack is a Los Angeles class attack submarine. Got second it. Class. So. Okay. Uh, growing up, you play any sports? I mean, I imagine you um, at least tried to play basketball. So as a little kid, an interesting story, I did not like to play basketball. So uh, my dad, my parents, they used, uh, went to the YMCA as a YMCA kid. They encouraged me to try everything. So did some swim team stuff, uh, only really good at backstroke, and I didn't really like to practice, so that it went by the wayside. Um, I loved to play baseball. Uh, I played a little bit of basketball very early. And my first season – Were you a pitcher? First base. Uh, both. So, YMCA ball, sometimes the league doesn't have that many kids. So, uh, my – Play three on three. No, I mean, you have enough <laughs> for the team, but that's about it. So, like, uh, I played first base or pitch, uh, and uh, then we had our other pitcher because we only had two was uh, he played, like, center fielder pitching. Got it. Right? So um, – At the same time. 
Yes, you no, pitch it, a, run into center field, and then we probably needed that, but but <laughs> not the case. So so uh, yeah, I uh, I had a I was a St. Louis Cardinals fan growing up, and I had a, a Bob Gibson kick. If you uh, if you know what that looks like, uh, somewhere there's a picture of me out there basically doing the splits, trying to uh, look cool throwing a fastball, and uh, but that only lasted until I grew really fast. Once I grew really fast. Uh, all the it turns out in, in North Carolina, like I guess all the baseball coaches were short when I was growing up, and nobody understood that if your arm gets a foot longer, you have to hold on to the ball longer. So all my uh, throws became rainbow throws, and and uh, my bat speed was way down, and I just didn't play ba- uh, baseball anymore. Uh, basketball, my one season playing basketball, I loved it, uh, and uh, uh, and then one day before a game, I went up. Uh, we're doing warm ups or we're shooting around. Went up for a rebound, uh, knocked down my best friend on the team, and he uh, he broke his arm. What's it? Compound fracture when it breaks through the skin? Yeah, is that uh, what it is? I think so. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. It was a bloody mess. Uh, scared me to death, and I never played basketball again in an organized fashion until I was in the Navy. <laughs> that was it. I told my dad I don't want to play anymore. So <laughs> you're like, I'm uh, going to kill people. Yeah, hindsight being 2020, maybe I should have played basketball. Did well. I mean, maybe, maybe not. You should play whatever sport you love. Uh, I enjoy playing basketball now. Uh, not very good because uh, the formative years of a big man playing with his back to the basket, I didn't get. So uh, yeah. I can rebound. I can play a little bit of defense. Uh, I have a I have a vertical like uh, one Hershey bar, if you're familiar with that yep. uh, that idea. It's really high. Yeah, really, really high vertical. Uh, I can really throw it down. Actually, I, I can't dunk. So Have uh, you ever dunked? Uh, I got up to being able to dunk a women's ball. My uh, my neighbor had a, I call it like a redneck basketball court in his backyard. Yep. He had a full size uh, goal, and then he had an adjustable one. And we used to practice our uh, lack of skills on the adjustable Adju- room. Of course, everybody can be yeah. Michael Jordan when the goal seven that's, feet. That's true, especially when you're playing against his like seven year old brother. And um, uh, so I got up to a women's ball on a proper height, but I couldn't. Uh, I just couldn't. Couldn't get it in, and and to be honest, I was really just banging it off of the back of the iron, anyways. <laughs> just, just throw. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, you yeah. Just go oh, up yeah. there, and you just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was always the funniest when guys would go up there, and they could get you know maybe their the tips of their fingers above the rim. And but if they, you touch the rim, it's a dunk. And they would endlessly try to dunk, which yeah. just looks like them yeah. throwing the ball at the backboard and having their fingers touch the rim. 100%. Just over and over and over. And it was, oh, it's almost there. And I'm like, um, no, no, you aren't. Well, like in, the, in, in that time, like unless you paid for a private coach or you're on a team, yeah. like how else are you going to figure out how to jump? There's no, there was, there's no Google the Internet and figure out all these great training techniques or anything. Yeah, that's why I was always super fortunate as a kid as I had a, access to a lot of coaches because my yeah. dad was a coach. So yeah. I was always learning stuff and having access to camps and specialty programs and all that stuff and mm. i probably maxed out my genetic potential because of that so um, i definitely did not um and i, I don't i've dunked before oh, i'm upset about that yeah so i'm 5 11 everybody six foot in the program ah uh, you know six Number, foot six foot in the program got to inflate that what now it. was that six foot with shoes on or are you inflating it even this more? is a conversation i've literally never understood it doesn't matter no it does matter Nobody in the history of basketball has played in their bare feet. 
So I'm only concerned with how tall they are with their fucking shoes on. That's fair, but everywhere else, every doctor's office, everywhere out there. But that doesn't do matter. That. Like if you're seven foot with your shoes on, then you're seven foot when I play against you. Yeah, I agree. Yes, it's you re- could it's wear rel- heels. It's relative. We're both wearing shoes, but my point is, on the basketball court, you're seven feet tall. If if you're however tall you are with your shoes on, fair enough. Fair I, I just I've always found it's just really weird. How tall is he? Well, how tall is he without his shoes on? I'm like, is he playing barefoot? Then I don't care. Well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so I got a funny story about somebody who tried to get me to play basketball. Okay. I uh, I took driver's ed when I was uh, I guess about to turn 16. You had to take the driving portion of driver's ed in North Carolina. You go drive <laughs> is around. That I thought like that's pretty standard. True. True. Okay, you said that like it was weird. Well, like uh, different states, a little bit different, but uh, in our case, it was an after-school program, and uh, we would go. You you like sign up on a wait list or whatever, and you end up going. The guy that we drove with when when I drove was the varsity basketball coach. Okay, and he said he would not pass me unless I agreed to uh, come to tryouts. How tall are you at this point? Uh, let's see. I was probably six four. Oh, so you're big for high school. Well, bigger. Well, I was like 6'4", but I was also only like 140 pounds. So you were yoked. Yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> there was zero chance that anybody was going to think that I was going to be able to, like, p- box people out. But, as yeah. Tall, so. You know, the funny thing is, as tall as you are, you are not that tall in the world of college basketball. No, you not are, at all. You are average. Yeah, I remember uh, growing up, like, when I passed 5'6", I was in North Carolina where Muggsy Bogues was still playing uh, yeah. for Charlotte Hornets, and I was officially tall enough to play in the NBA. How tall is Muggsy Bogues? Five one. I think he, I think he was five six. He was not he was not tall. Uh, by Spud NBA. Was five seven. Yeah. I think Muggsy Bogues is shorter than that. He might be maybe five four. Yeah, I think he's five 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 four. I just five, know five. he looked ridiculous because he played with Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson. Yeah, he looks like a Hobbit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyways, uh, when you're growing up, are you is are you just playing sports or is there any type of training? involved with any of this you're just like uh here's a basketball we're gonna we're gonna jam uh, my sister grew uh she was a runner and then she rode collegiately so i got okay. some exposure to that mostly to running spent a lot of time trying to tag along with the cross-country team when she was in high school i wasn't very good uh, relative to what the speed that they were at but i at least enjoyed it uh i did not my my parents uh encouraged me in the music side so i ended up in the marching band which took out track and uh cross-country season it overlapped and i couldn't do it um uh but but no weight training no anything other than occasionally like uh going to the ymca and trying to use the fly machine for okay. as many reps as i could do so which is like three when is your first introduction to like fitness uh does the navy count i don't know if navy i mean if it's your first introduction yeah i would say no I'm, i, actually, I no. didn't say good i just meant like uh at nc state uh, straight out of high school, uh, uh, I became good friends with, dated for a little while, mostly just good friends with uh, uh, a girl that was on the, the swim team there. Okay. So Division One athlete, uh, hung out with her a lot, and I couldn't understand why they were always working out. And then I f- then uh, she, like, blew my mind when she showed me her, like, workout plan for a day, and it included, like, 500 or 600 reps of different core ab exercises, and that was, like, their warm-up. It's like gymnastics. Right. Gymnastics is bonkers. Yeah, so it was totally insane. Uh, I, because I was friends with her, I became friends with a bunch of the other folks on the on the swim team there and was just uh, completely blown away. And at that point, I'd already decided I was going to go to the Navy before NC State said I had to go somewhere else. And um, uh, so 
her thing was, hey, you're never going to make it through if you can't do uh, – if your core's not strong. So I started doing lots of sit-ups and stuff, but really I didn't know anything else that I was doing. And um, my you're first – You're doing it because she's doing it. I was doing it because she was way stronger than me, and it was embarrassing because she was a sprint swimmer on top of being a swimmer, which meant, like, she had guns, like, like shirts. She had to get, like, special shirts and yeah. stuff because she was ripped. And um, – so uh, What's that? Sounds hot. She's uh at the time, yeah, it was good. Hopefully she doesn't see this. She'll probably see this. Anyways, uh so um so yeah, so I got exposed a little bit there, but not knowledgeable. And then um let's see. So uh, fifteen years fifteen years of uh standard navy, uh greater than three miles a year, greater than double the number of uh push ups required, but like mostly just trying to beat the system for a physical readiness test. Did you have trouble with the PT, with the PRT? I mean, look at these arms. Look, look at these arms and how skinny they are. So, so for those of you who are not watching the video version of this, Matt has incredibly long arms. Yeah, that I'm doesn't in fact answer the question that I was asking. Yes, <laughs> yes. The the push up push ups are the devil. I uh, anybody that's tall and has long arms will tell you, uh, bench press pull ups, uh, anything overhead, um, uh, is going to be. Not necessarily a problem, but it's, you're you're at a mechanical disadvantage just based on the the length of yeah uh, the lever arms motion. longer yeah it's ridiculous so uh, people tell me hey you know you suck at push ups and I say yeah I suck at push ups but if we go to physics as an engineer if we go to physics I'm probably doing as much work as you the distance of force over a distance but depends on what you weigh that's true but I'm you know I'm these days is weighing a little more than I should be weighing well so. you would do you would be doing more by by the equation, right? So right. if you weigh more and you're going a longer distance, mathematically, you are doing more work. Yeah, so my, my argument was even if I was, uh, for most of these guys, even if I was only doing 40 push-ups, for the guys that were banging out 80 push-ups, some of them I was doing more work than. Very, um, very possible. But the Navy doesn't care about that, so. Nope. I just kind of. Only in CrossFit do we care about what you're actually doing. Yeah, let's be honest, though. They only, I mean, in CrossFit, they care about the reps, too, if you were getting, talking co competition, right? So they don't really take into account um, the height or weight of the athlete because there's too many variables. Well, not necessarily that. It shouldn't matter if the 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 quantity of the tests is varied enough that it's that everybody's getting things that fall into their wheelhouse. So like gymnastics, not in the best interest of big people. True running. Weightlifting, on the other hand, if the bigger you are, mass moves mass. So, yeah. you know, a guy that weighs 200 is going to generally snatch more than somebody who weighs 155. True. So then it bounces out. And then I personally like the them not having weight classes or anything like that because they've broken a lot of barriers on, like, big people can't do gymnastics and little people can't be strong. Um, they're crushing all of that. Both yeah. Both sets of athletes can do both, and both can go long. So, and I I like to watch. Uh, I would say really my first exposure to CrossFit was watching the games, but I didn't think of it as exposure to CrossFit at that point. It was what year was this? Man, we were here. Two thousand twelve was had to be like the first year that that was kind of like a a big deal. It was probably two thousand. Let's see, we came here in two thousand twelve at the end. It was probably two thousand thirteen, and watching like. Like uh, like late night ESPN coverage or something like that that was uh, like pre-recorded. Um, when did 
You guys have been here longer than that, haven't you? We moved here in September 2012, and, and when did you? Come I in started here? coming in July of 13, July or August of 13. Okay, so we're five and a half years, almost yeah. six years into this. Got yeah. it. Okay, I'll so, just forget what year it is. Yeah, but uh, we, you know, watched a little bit, and that was one of the things that I thought was awesome about it is you had little people, tall people, skinny people, you know, giants. And uh, all in the same competition and over the course of the whole games, right, like they all, all the strengths and weaknesses kind of evened out and everyone was still pretty close in the pack. That was in the time where that, like the, the there wasn't such a spread between like the really good athletes and the mediocre folks, if you will. But there also, it was also still a time where if you had a super skill, it gave you a massive advantage. Like if you were strong... Oh yeah. The way it was designed, like the the competition had not evolved such that if you were a specialist, you would get punished. You can't be just strong now. You just have to you have to win what you can win and then do well everywhere else now, uh, which is massive change from the way it used to be. So well we'll see moving forward, but I don't I don't think the games in and of itself will change that much. No. We'll find out. I don't want to spend a ton of time because I your entry to CrossFit is like a lot of people's entry to CrossFit who don't have a lot of background. So if you've watched any of our other podcasts, Matt's entry is very similar, right? Not a ton of background. Yeah, no, zero background, uh, a lot of range of motion problems, um, not a lot of strength to draw upon even when the range of motion was fixed or whatever. So basically started the started the bottom with somebody who doesn't have knowledge on the movement pattern <coughs> in particular from the waist down. Uh, <coughs> had uh, a range of motion issues, um, hips and ankles, uh, bad knees, and um, squatting for you was tough when you came in. Yeah, I think I was here for three months before, with the assistance of a uh, fatigued legs and the gravity of a wall ball, got to full depth on a squat. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, so uh, I would say my my. F- my deepest squat when I first got here was about like a quarter squat. That's fair. Yeah. Looking back at it. Yeah. Why'd you stay? Uh, so came the f- uh, came the first day. Got absolutely destroyed, which is, uh, I mean, not in a bad way. I was exhausted afterwards after a short workout, which was intriguing. It was something new. Uh, a friend had invited me, and we had a similar work schedule, so we came at the same time. So I had, I had like, someone who I could do it with who uh, I would see during the day and could be encouraged to go. And um, uh, and I just who learned so much. It was uh, John Freeman. Oh, that's yeah. right. So John Freeman and I were working in the same shop over at I forgot uh, about that. At work. Shout out, John. Yep. And uh, so he's out in Washington now. Yep. So we'll hopefully we'll hook up with him when we, when we head back out there. But – but um, uh, he got me going and encouraged me to keep coming, and I saw gains right away. Not gains in the way I looked necessarily, but in the way I felt. And um, and the first time I was here, I mean, the, it was the, hey, what are your goals? And I was able to say, yeah, it'd be all right if I, like, looked better in the mirror a little bit and didn't have to stress about passing the PRT. And those were acceptable, tangible goals and where we could say, hey, all right, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was the right environment at the right time for me. And, um, and then I think it was probably three or four months in, I hurt myself. 
like just something silly, doing overhead lift, didn't catch it quite right, and tweaked my shoulder. And uh, and the encouragement I got to keep coming, but like keep coming at your normal time, take it easy, don't necessarily do the workout, come talk to the coach and get something that you can do to uh, keep moving the shoulder and, and uh, learning about mobility and everything like that through that healing process really what made me stick. And then I realized, hey, not only are they going to teach me how to move, they're going to teach me how to take care of myself when something doesn't go right. That is something that I'm not sure we've done a good enough job expressing to people. I, w I will tell you that the only reason that Nicole came was because of that time. Because she did some research on CrossFit. Oh, people who get hurt or whatever, they're just going to get you to go hard and go. And this is great that you're getting in shape because I like it. But uh, I'm afraid – she was afraid to come because uh, she was worried she was going to get hurt and and have a serious problem. We had kids and whatever. It wasn't until she – heard me come home and say, yeah, I, I hurt myself or whatever. And they said, hey, don't lift anymore, right? Like, we need to take care of it. This is what we can do. This is what we think the problem is. Um, these are some, some areas to watch. And she saw, like, it was a safe environment, right? Like, things are going to happen, right? To, to uh, It's not unreasonable to think you're going to get some bumps and bruises along the way. As long as, long as you don't make them worse. Yeah, and this was – it wasn't an overuse thing. It was uh I was I was still it was an learning. accident basically. Yeah, I was using learning movement patterns and I fatigued and uh, I missed one just right and it tweaked my shoulder and uh, rather than continuing on or anything like that the coach recognized it right away had me stop we uh, uh, we we dealt with the issue that I had or whatever and and took care of it in a way where I was only out of doing like a full wad or for about two weeks. Whereas if I would have kept going, you know, who, who knows? And the way that happened and, and the gym responded with that was actually what made it Nicole feel okay with coming for the first time. That's interesting. I'm pretty bullish about that when people get, it doesn't happen a ton, but it does happen. And I, I'm not going on a limb. Most people that get some, that something happens doesn't happen in the gym. No, it's something happens outside. at work or at home or something yeah. like that. And they're like, Oh, I can't come into the gym. I'm like, yes, you can. And you need to, if you continue to train around said injury, you will get better faster. Yeah. Right. There's enough people in here of, every caliber that have been injured that have followed our advice with regard to injury protocol that have come back from the injury faster. I've done it. Phil's done it. We did it with you. We've done it with a, with a bunch of other athletes uh, and Phil and I's injuries were different because we were really pushing the envelope on what we we're trying to do. And he was competing weightlifting. I was like trying to go back to regionals again, got injured. And so that is kind of expected. You know, the fact that Phil went 11 years or whatever it was with zero injuries is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I you know, I think it's uh, but it, he continued to train. I think he was back in here. I mean, I think he took two weeks off. It's about as long as I took off. when yeah. I. He just changed what he was doing. And yeah. He had, you build a game plan for what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember seeing guys in here on a rower with a with a foot on a skateboard. Yeah. People doing uh, people who had uh, like a lower leg injury on the assault bike going with the upper body. I mean, there's ways to continue to move uh, 
you know, almost no matter what your injury is, as long as, you're, much. as long as you're willing to come in and be honest about what your situation is. So that's the thing, right? So if you're listening to this, you're watching this, if you get injured, right? We hope that you don't, but life happens. A lot of people will not come in because they will say, hey, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that's not your job. That's mm -hmm. our job. Mm -hmm. So come in, be honest. What Matt just said is, is super critical. Be honest about what your injuries. Don't tough it out. That's stupid. Tell the coach what the issue is. Have them scale the workout appropriate for you. If the coach cannot scale for you or doesn't know that, well, that's a that's kind of a professional problem. Like they should be able to work around that. If they don't, I'm not gonna say like leave your gym, but that's a pretty serious discussion in my mind. But like if they cannot scale around that, maybe we need to talk about like where we're at. But you can always do something. If you got a hurt arm, elbow wrist shoulder whatever you're just going to do a lot of squatting for a while yeah. okay if you got a bum knee ankle uh hip something like that you're going to do a lot of pressing and pulling for a while it just is what it is it's not the end of the world like you continue can train and oddly enough you can actually get better at other things when you train my best strict press lifetime is with one knee on a box uh with my foot in a cast because when I ruptured my Achilles, I could do nothing besides press. And I pressed like almost 20 pounds over my body weight for a strict press. That's crazy. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's not talk percentages. I'm feeling inadequate. I'm sorry. Do you it's want me to bring okay. my seat back down? Yeah, I do like there that. That's okay. nice. Right, That's cool. better. I'll stand up straight. Okay, so let's talk about uh, – so Nicole comes in. But she was very adamant about not coming in for a while, correct? Right. She didn't want to come in at all. Uh, offered up uh, to come in on a day when it was like uh, CrossFit Kids or come in on a Saturday and just look around or whatever. She didn't want She didn't want to come. And I think part of that was being nervous about it for herself and not totally understanding. And then part of it was she recognized like, that I was doing something that I enjoyed that she was interested in, but she wasn't willing to commit. And for both of us, like if we're both interested in the same thing, like I can just get a little exposure, like we're in hundred percent. So yeah. I think not wanting to come was partially, she, she didn't understand it yet and didn't want to get like sucked in until she understood it. I mean, that's fair. Meh. Here's a, this is a selfish question. Mm-hmm. For those scenarios, what would be beneficial for a gym or a coach or a trainer to do in a scenario? What tools would be beneficial to give an athlete to get their significant other in the gym? Man. Some people just don't want to do it. I get it. But for those people that might have like they're like, oh, they're just not sure about it or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, we do an on-ramp program here. Mm -hmm. uh, I know we've tried different had different programs or whatever or di different ways for getting people in what bring a friend week is a great uh opportunity i think because it brings in a bunch of new people at once so that can be like a little less intimidating if that's what the issue is um it's a great way to disarm people yeah i think so and um the the way i it was when i came in and when nicole came in it was uh we we're doing the like workout after the saturday workout where it was just people that were interested yep it was a one one shop no strings attached we'll show you the gym when basically nobody's around and uh and and walk you through one workout and and from what i gathered it was like one part 
you kind of fill it out in one part, coach gets to see where you're at. Mm -hmm. And that worked for us, but I can still say if you're not sure about it, that can be an intimidating environment too because it's just a one on, you know, one on or a two on with a coach in, in the gym and you don't know what you're getting. I think the bring a friend week is a uh, idea is a great opportunity because uh, you have established members who are there. It's a normal class time, so they're in the normal environment, and uh, and there's going to be other new people, especially at least the way we do it. There's always new people uh, checking it out for the first time or th at I least checking out the box. I don't think we've had less than 15 people come in any time we've done that, no, like I throughout believe. the week, sometimes more, but no less than 15. Yeah, so I, I think that from that standpoint, it's – if if you know you have a member who has a spouse who's hesitant to come in for whatever reason, I think that the encouragement time would be when the next bring a friend week is. That between that or if uh, the gym's having a social, if you can get them in for the social, even if they don't want to come in for the workout, and they can come meet the people and see that whatever whatever their uh, view is that uh, CrossFit people are crazy people or those guys are all freaks or whatever it is, or just an opportunity to get in the door. And see the facilities in a non-threatened, you know, non-intimidating environment, whatever. Where no fitness is happening. Yeah, no fitness is happening, but I'm in the space. I see the people. I can get to recognize some faces if I come back and uh, get familiar with my environment. Um, there's so many different variables for why somebody might not want to come in. But uh, the social, when it happens, is usually, I don't know, that's a good time. And there's lots of time to just talk to people. Yeah, just to meet people out without feeling, like, judged. Okay, cool. Well, um, I mean, sometimes you're judgy. Me? No, no, I'm oh. just kidding. With me. I, I'm always judging But that's you. with members. Yeah, yeah. I'm always judging you. Yeah, of course. I want to talk about Alan and the girls for a little bit. Okay, let's do it. So we started personal training with Alan. Let's see. We started before that even with personal training. Well, so he was doing classes for a while. So actually, just talk about Alan for a little bit if you don't if you don't mind. So. Okay, so Alan's ten now, I think. Uh, so this is 2013. So he would have been five when he started doing stuff at the gym. Yeah, he's been doing it for a hot minute. Yeah, so he would uh, he would come with me on Saturdays to do like a father son thing, uh, and at that point it wasn't to uh, work out or anything like that. He was just coming with me, and then we'd go do something fun afterwards. And so he would sit over on the back wall with my phone playing, uh, like, flash games or whatever, garbage games he wanted to play. And um, and then one day I looked up uh, from the from what I was doing uh, in in the wad, and uh, he was doing burpees over on one of the lifting platforms. And I looked at the coach, and he kind of shrugged, and he did burpees. Afterwards, after the workout, I asked him what he wanted to do. He said, oh, I wanted to see if I could do 50 burpees. And uh, – kind of said okay well you know what's going to happen with this and uh, he kept coming with me to the gym we spent some time talking to you and asked if it would be okay if he tried doing some classes mm -hmm. and um and uh at the time like it was the right time in the gym's life i think for there to be a a young kid yeah i don't know that i would do that again now i don't know that no. we could facilitate it but i i do think it was very timely yeah it worked it worked out at the time we're in uh relatively big space we had the, at least the classes that we were coming to there was space and we we had what seemed like the right coaches for that 
I, I definitely think there's a particular skill set to manage that that scenario with a coach, somebody who has to be patient and quick on their feet. Yeah, I mean, really, when you think about it with a, a five-year-old doing a wad with a full adult class where you might be doing snatch, you might be doing any other kind of barbell cycling or muscle-ups where you got, you know, big people moving a lot. Uh, there's a safety thing. So that was one of the big things that we had to we had to talk with him about, and mm -hmm. I know you talk with the coaches about too, is, hey, the first time this becomes a safety concern, like, we can't do this. And it never did. No. The it only, never did. I only remember one time of ever even being worried about it, and it was like a – it was like a one rep snatch day and uh and it was big Brian Eller was moving a ton of weight and we're like, Hey, you can't go can't yeah, go hang out with here. Brian. Yeah. Leave Brian alone. Yeah, leave Brian alone while he's lifting. But um But we yeah. just started with a PVC pipe and he just basically was just doing the movement patterns with everybody else and PVC pipe I don't I don't know that it was challenging from a weight standpoint, but the movement patterns were challenging for Alan when he started. Yeah, he uh he I mean he didn't know a lot of stuff. So Alan has a uh, what used to be called Asperger's, high-functioning mm -hmm. autism. And uh, one of the – Is that what it's called now? Is a Well, so they've they basically changed it. Uh, so What is it now? They they just call it autism. Okay. Like autism, autism spectrum disorder, I think. Uh, they used to try to bend them in different areas, and what they figured out is, like, they don't know enough about it yet. Logan was just finally diagnosed with that. Wow. Yeah. I uh, did not I, know that. Well – I don't know to what degree, right? So I'm I'm super hesitant to say that. But the what the doctor explained was that uh, th what they're coming to find out is that they is they are now starting to think that that boys and girls have two different spectrums. I can believe that. I know that that the traditional diagnosis is typically more male heavy. I don't know, uh, but she, there she was just pretty delinquent on some things and. Um, so yeah, I get it. But where I was going with this is that having worked with Alan pretty extensively, uh, and then seeing different things with Logan too, uh, I'm a firm believer that physical exercise and training uh, is immensely valuable for kids in that scenario. A hundred percent. Like, uh, that was one of the things that, that uh, led us to start working into the personal training a little bit is uh that alan had like night and day behavior and concentration abilities uh depending on if he had been at the gym and done a workout or not that physical stimulus was sometimes the difference between having a good day and having a complete autism related like meltdown so the academically and just with like normal things around the house I'll talk a little bit about from a training standpoint. So for anybody who, and obviously there, there's a spectrum here. So depending right. on the, who, who the who the child is and 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 where they fall on that spectrum, this can be more or less difficult. If you're not really sure what to do with kids in that scenario, what what we found, and this is a you know, this is a data point of one, right, right, uh, was it, it was very basic play. So. Throwing and catching, throwing, catching one arm or one hand, two hand, throwing, catching one foot, one hand, one foot, two hands, learning to hop, learning to skip, learning to throw with proper mechanics of plant, push, throw, uh, things like that, 
that he just really was struggling to – those wires weren't connecting. So we just worked on him a lot, and and, and he got pretty good at a lot of them. Yeah, he, the the big thing that we had we already knew before we started doing anything with CrossFit is he had some limitations uh, developmentally with anything that crossed midline, so anything right to left, anything taking my right hand and going across feet, anything like that, um, which – when you think athletics, that's it. That's all of it. Yeah. So, uh, so that was huge. I mean, basically, I think we went probably six months when he was working with you. Um, yep. But definitely like a whole summer where he was basically lived at the gym. I know he, because he would come in and and I told I, I that was, yeah, I was here all day those at that time frame for a different reason, yep. but. The that was the time when and I told Nicole I was like just leave him here like it's better that he just sits in the gym and plays all day and and learns to and learns to play but um he i remember she told me one of the tests they came back and they're like basically he doesn't he was severely uh deficient in this area and then after like the summer basically they said based on this test it doesn't even qualify anymore like he's done like he's passed the test with flying colors. Yeah, so that was in uh, physical therapy. So we were doing physical therapy at that same time for gross motor delay, and uh, and also for some like visual recognition kind of stuff, uh, like reflexes and and things like that. And uh, he tested out of uh, all all of those things. And and after that summer, which was like was that two summers ago, or three summers uh, ago, two. I think it's two. Yeah, and uh, then we didn't have to do PT for him anymore. So two months, what like maybe two or three times a week. Yep. And a lot of what we were doing was was a lot of like fine motor skills. Like we did a bunch of just you know play things that you would do, you would do at low level sports. You know, dropping a tennis ball or something like that. Having him count the number and then pick it up on on yep. the fifth bounce or. Uh, a lot of throwing – it started with a lot of basic throwing and catching, and then it turned into a lot of throwing and catching, moving in different directions so that he didn't have to be stationary to do uh, that skill. And he got pretty good at it. I mean, we were doing all sorts of stuff by the end. And then uh, dribbling. Yeah, like, that was – I was literally just yep. playing sports where we were throwing the football, teaching him to dribble with his offhand, teaching him to dribble with his fingers, crossing over, moving backwards, forwards while managing another mm-hmm. object. Uh, those things are all incredibly useful for a kid in that scenario. And he was terrible at it when we first started. Yeah. I'd say when we started, if he would have told you what one of his goals was, is be able to dribble basketball. So, and we had probably invested a year, year and a half. And some of that was like, I don't have the background to be able to teach that, uh, to be able to teach that at the time. And uh, also like, learning from somebody else is more fun than learning from dad. Most of the time, I think you could attest to that in some cases. Yes and no. I mean, my dad would probably agree with you, but he ended up – that was a different scenario. My dad intentionally did not coach me until I was in high school. He had oversight. He was kind of like the puppet master, nice, like coaching nice. through somebody else. He always he always made sure that I had a very knowledgeable coach, but he very much withheld coaching me because I think he knew we were going to have four years of together time, oh, yeah. and he oh, yeah. wasn't trying to burn that out. And it worked out really well. My dad and I had a great working relationship nice. in high school. I mean, we had our clashes, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Most of the time, if he told me something, I was like, whatever. Yeah, like even even now, if if we're here at class or whatever, and uh, and like uh, we've been coming together on Saturdays or whatever, especially this month because we're doing the partner wads, and so he he and I are always partners. So I spent some time like 
when it's a back and forth or whatever, I watch a movie, I'll be like, Hey, do this or whatever. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he's like, okay. And he keeps doing it the same way. And then coach comes and says the exact same thing with the exact same cue. Boom. Done. You know, whatever. It's I like mean, me coaching my wife, which I don't do anymore. I have to yeah. go through another human being. That's like Nicole, yeah. Nicole and I, she'll, she'll tell you a hundred percent. We don't work out together. If we're in the same class, we're on opposite sides of the room. I'm just like, a cheerleader, whatever. man. You look great, yeah. honey. You look good. Yeah. She doesn't Proud even, of you. she doesn't even cheerlead. I don't know what look I get on my face or whatever, but it must be vicious. It just doesn't work. No, it's just there's like a very there's a very f- small percentage of people that can make that work, and my wife and I are Jess and I are absolutely not in that small yeah, percentage. It's, it's catastrophic. Yeah, it's not good. I told her we uh, we tried to do it a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Listen, I'm not coaching you anymore. Like, I I just want to be your husband because this is not working." Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what about the girls? What have you guys seen with them since they've started the CrossFit Kids stuff? Let's see. So they're they're both on uh, the spectrum as well. So we started like therapy and stuff like them uh, that for them much earlier because we kind of knew what we were looking for, and uh, and they grew up in the gym. So uh, they were How born. Old are they? They're s- they're five. So they've literally been here the whole time. Yep, they'll be uh, six in February. So yeah. so uh, when my wife first started coming. Uh, they would sit in their like twin stroller or whatever. They couldn't go anywhere. Yep. And and watch the class. And then uh, you know eventually they got old enough that wasn't a thing. And they go to uh, go to the childcare that's with the nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And um, and as soon as CrossFit Kids started, then they started doing everything. But even before that, when they were just watching, uh, they you know they see all the movements. They see mom and dad, mostly mom, doing all the stuff, uh, whether it's squats or snatch or whatever, and they want to do that. So we would find them at home. You know, they're barely at the walking stage, but they're doing squats and trying to do burpees yeah. and, and doing the mimicking. So for them, when it was when CrossFit Kids was a thing, they wanted that more than anything. So um, we've had a similar uh, trajectory where they started doing that, making strides. They're both in – actually, only one of them now is in physical therapy, and she's almost out of it. Uh, they were both in physical therapy when we started – and the trajectory on uh, on the gross motor skills has again been, it's been like exponential because they're so much younger. It's steep. I it's mean, it happened quick. Yeah, I know so much younger than Alan. Alan was that uh, uh, kids learn so fast mm-hmm. that they just you know blew through that. So I think we're at the point now where we're just like finishing out what's already been authorized, and then the then med- the medical side is going to say you don't need this anymore. Yeah. And I know you were working out at home for a while because it worked out real crazy. But I know they worked out with you or, or they would kind of work out with you at home. Yeah, so um, when work started to get crazy and I stopped being able to come as much, so for a little while, uh, I did a lot of after work working out at the gra- in the garage gym. And, um, like, Nicole just opened up the door from the house or wherever while mm-hmm. I was lifting the garage. And, uh, and they would either come out or watch – and do do squats and all sorts of stuff and like cheer me on and then uh alan would do workouts in the in the garage with me like whether it's rowing or whatever because i have a unnecessary amount of stuff at the house considering i'm here all the time but but um but yeah so uh they would stay involved that way too and uh actually before across the kids started alan would do some that's where he would do like accessory stuff and like try to work on his own so i don't know i think we probably went for like a month where I didn't understand why the foot uh, size on my rower kept getting changed. (laughs) 
and and I'm like, Nicole, are why you is this rowing? on one? Yeah, are you rowing with the rower? Because she she hates to row. Don't tell anyone. Um, we won't. This yeah. is just between me I, and you. That's good. No one will know. <laughs> but uh, I'm like, are you rowing? And she's like, no, I'm not rowing. And we asked the the lady that comes and watches the the kids when we have a babysitter. She goes, oh yeah. I didn't know that that wasn't a thing. He would go out in the garage and go row like a 500 or a 1,000 meters on his own because he was trying to get faster at the gym. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he was Alan that likes he was like to seven. win. Yeah, he does not believe in losing, whether it's warming up. Uh, he can do Frankensteins faster than anybody I know. They're not quality, but he does them faster. <laughs> and uh, um, Yeah, we had, to, we, had to have a, we had to have some com- some come to Jesus on that too. I'm like, hey, man. Nah. It's not winning if you don't do all the reps, bro. Oh yeah, yeah. We did have some <laughs> some uh, some point shaving uh, for a while, but I think he's through that now. He's really about like tr- trying to move right. No, he's gotten much better. Yeah. He's gotten much better. He still uh, he still just needs an occasional hey slow down, yeah. but much better. And he, yeah. I mean he's so nimble that he just moves well. It's like almost hard for Alan to get like in a bad position. Yeah. But. The only thing the only thing we're working on now is like. He's uh, afterwards. He wants after the workout. He wants to go get that uh, protein shake and eat that protein bar. And like, I'm like, hey man, we gotta we gotta stretch that anabolic window, bro. Gotta hit that. Um, Is the have you did you guys just kind of fall into this scenario where like fitness is now a part of your life with you and your kids, or was that something that you guys had discussed prior to? Not not at all discussed with with about the kids. So. Um, it was a hundred percent about really at the beginning. It was a hundred percent about me. I didn't feel good. I didn't, I didn't like where I was at. I was trying to lose weight cause I was up near the, the cap, which is a tall guy is a problem uh, in the Navy. That means you're really big for height and weight standards, height weight. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and I got skinny little bird neck and, uh, there's no way I'm passing like rope and choke, uh, the, the, the cheesy Navy yep. body fat standard. But, um, so it was a hundred percent about me. And then, um, and Nicole wanted to have some workout stuff and she just didn't really know where to get started. So again, that was about her and it was nice to do something together, but the kids just kind of fell into that. Once, uh, once Alan got into it, it, it was a done deal that the, the girls were going to, they were interested, they wanted to do it. They wanted to, to be like big brother and, and, uh, um, go do it. It just kind of, just kind of happened to us. That's cool. I always think about that. I always, I actually think about it the other way. I always fear that the kids won't want to do it because it's all we do. Now we did talk about that as being a thing. Uh, uh, and, and there were a few times, I don't know if I ever even talked to you about it where Alan decided like, yeah, I don't really want to go to the gym today. And he would stay home uh, when one of us would go, but it just kind of ebb and flow. Um, and he wasn't ever really like super happy when he didn't go work out. I don't know if, if that was just him, like not wanting to do the workout and that was his way of cherry picking or what? We never really figured it out. I mean, he's a kid. I mean, that's and he kind of went through yeah. it. And I, I, I mean, at one point he was coming like six days a week. Yeah. Between coming with me and coming with Nicole. So, I mean, that's. Yeah, but that it's, it's most people don't understand this. It's incredibly difficult to overtrain children no i think at that point it was just a hey i'm always going to the gym i want to do something else for a little while no i Um, agree um yeah it's just it's 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 been interesting to watch that evolution i think over time i think just as interesting as watching um uh in particular with alan watching him 
grow up as far as learning movement patterns and and uh, I mean something as simple as following complex directions of doing the wad, right? Which for a six or a seven year old is relatively complicated if you think about it. That's not even something I considered. I I yeah. understand it now because of the therapy that Logan does with speech therapy yeah. and and occupational therapy, but that's not something I had considered before you just said it, to be honest yeah. with you. When you think about this, right, uh, I don't know what what all exactly you're doing with Logan, but when Alan started doing therapy in the, on the autism spectrum, so applied behavioral analysis is the actual thing. I call it autism ABA. therapy. ABA, yeah. yep. Uh, but um, uh, they were working on two-step two step directions, mm-hmm. right? And when you do a workout, how many steps is that? Even if it's – Man, it could be, it could be yeah. six or seven. Exactly. And he would do his whiteboard. He would come up with his plan with his coach and follow that through. And he, and, and and unbeknownst to us, he was working on that very complex uh, process of, uh, r- you know, remembering and executing. Do uh, this and then do this and yep. then do this and only having to tell you one time. Yep. And yeah. I, I only tell you one time. And, and in the coaching environment, maybe I remind you. But, but for the most part, you can't focus just on that. You have to be able to intake that next year. Well, it's just something most of us take for granted because we've never had to navigate that scenario of not being able to connect those dots. Um, So, but that's, uh, that's super interesting. I I literally had not considered that until you just said it. Yeah. So here's, here's another one that, that uh, some people don't think about with, uh, with autism that's a hundred percent applicable in the workout environment is, um, they don't pick up body language very well. And uh, they don't really do sarcasm or figure emotion language. is is uh, yeah, not, not something a, they pick up on. No, it's not a thing. So uh, now put yourself. <laughs> I do remember that, like when Alan first came in here, oh, we would we would crack jokes. jokes. Yeah, and no we idea. would we he it was just he was a statue all the time, just yeah. blank face no matter what was going on. You're like, man. And sometimes he crowd. would he would tell the joke. He just didn't realize it was a joke, <laughs> right? Like he didn't realize the comedy of what he just said because he he it wasn't that he had no filter, but he didn't have the concept of the uh, humor. Yeah, he didn't have the humor. He didn't know the situation he was in. He would just say what he thought, and it was hilarious. But to put him in a class with, uh, you know, think Saturday morning, uh, Saturday morning nine thirty class. People are coming in after a hard night out on fr- on Friday night. People are coming in. Arguably an inappropriate scenario for a kid in some in some instances. Sometimes. But but he grew up pretty quick. Yeah, he grew up quick. The class grew up to him, too. So That's true. So we got to wear some of the strongest personalities. I can think like Brian Eller Josh or Bailey. whatever. Yeah, they, they look around. Uh, Alan's here. Not only are they changing, you know, necessarily like the way they interact to make it a little more PG. Yeah. They're also – interested in him i think uh i would put both of the both of those guys i would say alan would put on his like best friends at the gym list jared stefan was up there yep jared's stefan was huge up there um brian eller uh cheb yep my right, cheb's asking him math questions and stuff while they're doing warm-ups and <laughs> stuff i don't know try and turn him into an engineer which would be okay i I steered away from those conversations real quick. I heard math. I was like, "Oh, I'll be over here, guys." Yeah, but I don't. I don't know, man. It, uh, he he just has a, a blast with so many different people at the yeah. gym, and uh, but he has like adult interactions with them. It's not like a small child interaction. No, no. Well, sometimes, sometimes well, I have yeah, to tell yeah. Alan. I'm like, when hey, he gets gotta, the sillies, gotta, him and Jared, uh, you got to leave the you got to leave that guy alone, man. But but you know you know when he gets the sillies with Jared because they're about the same age, actually. Uh, Alan might be more mature than Jared. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> 
there was a noticeable uh, decrease in Jared's maturity when he came off of co- – so Jared is one of our coaches. Most of you guys know him, but was coaching, got into the fire department, and then like he was here for like a week, no coaching. Yeah. He's just here. Yeah. Worst athlete ever <laughs> to have in the class is disruption. We talk about this all the time at the yeah. Level 1 seminars, that if there's a flow master who's not the flow master, they are the worst person on the team. They're just not paying attention to anything. They're joking yeah. around. They're always they're wandering around. I'm like, what? What are you doing? Like, why? Well, it's, the, it's the coach that comes to the classroom is on the OFP. I'm not saying yeah. that you've ever done that before. I've not done that. I've showed up late into a class, but I'm never off do doing the, my own thing. True, you're not doing. You're not totally doing your own thing, but you do the most abbreviated workouts. Not because not, I want not to. the workout, the warm up. I know. Yeah, you're always doing. I'm stuff. always doing something. You uh-huh. come in, you're like, all right, I'm going to start the class, and then somebody needs this or somebody needs that, and I'm just like, ah, I need to be better at that. That's that's something I definitely need to be better at, uh, for myself, but also as a um, to set the example. Yeah. You know. But anyway, cool. I told you we weren't going to have any problems burning an hour, bro. That Whole hour burned. That was quick. Very fast. The. Um, are you reading any e-books or listening to podcasts? Let's see. Not really any podcasts right now. I've got uh, I've got a book that I'm like partway through. Uh, I think you've read it. I know some people in the gym have anyways. It's the, the Art of Not Giving a Fuck. We have it. I have not read it. So Is it good? Yes. It's very uh, – I think you would find it uh, interesting from the standpoint it's written totally different. It's very uh, – I mean, based on the title, I think you can figure it out. It's pretty crude. Mm-hmm. Uh, um writing style as far as beautiful marketing yeah no it's it's brilliant and it's written that way um in a crude manner yeah not like uh it's it's uh it's like good english as far as the writing style but the examples and everything are just very raw um that's life though man true and they're hilarious oh well then it's good then it's engaging so 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 it's good uh i just uh i'm not as dedicated at my 10 pages a day for instance as you are and uh, I just find myself get, getting distracted, but not from the book. If I pick it up, I'm in when it for a while. When do you do your 10 pages a day? My 10 pages a day are not at the right time. They're That's at the why. end of the day. That's why. So. You're a pretty fast reader, though, right? You have to be to be a nuke. It's dangerous, yeah. yeah. So do it in the morning. It's going to take you less than 10 minutes. That's probably true. No, it's a fact. Yeah, no, on the speed reading thing, Nicole actually, uh, Game of Thrones was, uh, was big big into the Game of Thrones books when they, f- when uh, not when they first came out, but when I got a hold of them, which was like 2012 or whatever, they weren't, and uh, and I would kill, she would get upset if she saw me with one of those books because she knew I didn't exist for like two days. So I would read the whole thing in two days. Dude, you read so fast that you could probably do 20 pages a day as quickly as I do 10, maybe faster, and you could easily read 30 books a year. I think my big thing is now I've kind of shifted gears. I used to. But you got to do it in the morning. When you're fresh. No, it's not so much that you're fresh. There's no distractions in the morning. Like nobody's up. Nobody's like, hey, I want this. Turn the TV on. I'm hungry. I want Cheerios. Like what? Like none of that shit's happening. So so I'll tell you what buys into my morning thing. And Nicole will laugh about this because she hears the snooze uh, go off in the morning is my morning gets uh, eaten up by the nighttime. So in a perfect world, I go to bed at nine because I'm old, uh, and uh, but the kids don't go to bed until like nine, and then I want to spend time together with Nicole, or we have stuff to do. Ends up being like ten or ten thirty, and uh, and so then I'm tired in the morning because again I'm old. And what time are you getting up? Uh, I'm trying to get up at five thirty, and I'm getting up at six, and I got to be out the door at like six forty-five. 
So just split the middle, 545. You'll be done reading 10 pages by right. s by 6. I will I will commit to give that a go. I'll report back. It's not gonna and if you can't get 20, just get 10. Start with 10, but I have a, I have a real sneaky suspicion that you are going to easily get 20 a day and yeah. double what I'm doing, particularly if you're pe if you're picking the right genre of book that you enjoy. Yeah. But it has that's the key to that whole thing. Like uh, there's a there's a book called The Miracle Morning which is all about like how you start your day and doing all of those things. But I'm kind of the same way. So I will, when I get up at, f when I'm on, like when I'm up and moving by 5.30, I will get more done in that hour and a half between 5.30 and 7. Logan generally is like clockwork, kicking the door open at 7. Yeah. I am getting more done in that hour and a half than most people will get done in a week. Yeah, that's what I would say my uh, most productive time of the week is Saturday. Saturday morning before I head to the gym. Because it's quiet. That's sleeping day for everybody it's else. It's totally worth it, dude. Yeah. I'm not getting up. There's on a, I have a lot of people that I talk to that get up at like 4. I'm not doing that no, nonsense. I can't do like, that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I think you, can, you either are that type of person or not. I, I think it's really hard to train that, like, get up. 4 a.m. That's where your clock start. Like, I just have no interest in that whatsoever. Like, 5.15, 5.30 is about as early as you're going to get me. I just I, – I have a hard time functioning. It's earlier than that. Yeah, see, uh, I can get it – I can get up to where I can get that, but then uh, then there's, like, nothing left by, like, 10 a.m. I'm yeah. done for the day. Yeah, because so. you you're already six hours into your day. Yeah, it's not good. Okay, cool. Um, last thing. Yeah, I am going to read that book. Um, it's at the house. Just bought it. The you get to ask me any question you want about anything. Any question I want about anything, I'm not anything. prepared for this. There's so I many know, questions that's, that's I can ask. Event, well, as soon as people start watching the full podcast, they're going to get hip to this and they're going to come prepared. Right now, I'm just catching that's people fair. off guard, which is to my advantage. It is to your advantage, but it's not going to last very long. Barnes stumped me last week. Barnes stumped. I wasn't you. shocked by that though. He got me. I had to. I had to. There was a long, odd pause because I had to think so deeply about it. Let's see. I mean, I could come up with any number of questions just to stump you. It could be about me. It could be selfish. You could ask me. I just realized we were wearing the same sweatpants. We are. I told you the other day you needed to go to Lulu and uh, convince them to make these again. I just got a gift card for my mom for my birthday. Ooh, so good. I got to go find out what they got. Over they there. Had some I haven't been over there in a minute. They had some joggers. They don't have your picture on the wall anymore. I'm, I'm not an ambassador that. anymore. What a scam. I was there for two years, man. That's they treated true. me well. That's true. It's they a good treated place. Me well. It's a good place. Dangerous over there. Very, very, very dangerous place for me to be financially. For sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're not going to play the stump thing. Let's play the. Uh, I don't think he was trying to. That's just Barnes. That's well, no, just his I know. style. That's how he know. does, right? He's a deep thinker. All right. So uh, I remember back in the day. Uh, really when Alan was starting to go through and we're kind of watching him grow and learn, we talked about um, how some of the vision there is to do some uh, schools or wherever that, that combine, not just a school that has a CrossFit athletic program, but a school that's kind of built around combining those. Um, and uh, I knew at the time you were intrigued about that, but I didn't know what, if that was something that you wanted to pursue or not. So the question is, in the future, uh, Indefinite amount of time allowed. Is having uh, an in-house school uh, that uh, that has the athletic component of uh, CrossFit kids 
involved in it still something that you're interested in yes i don't know in exactly what that looks or feels like but the answer is yes so we're toying around with doing like a lift and learn with some older kids just bringing kids in from some of the schools uh, or some of like the ymca or something like that, a boys and girls club and doing that uh i would love to do that you know obviously stuff comes be stuff becomes important to you when it impacts your life so right obviously the autism thing is now more on our spectrum than it would be if if we did not have our daughter so uh some people that rubs them wrong i'm like that's the way everybody operates like nobody cares about yeah. anything that they don't it's not affecting their life the so yes uh along with a lot of other things so what i'm not short on is good ideas what i have to be very careful of is how i rack and stack those ideas because if you don't if you put them in the wrong order you shoot yourself in the foot so yes but probably closer if you're going to if we were going to break this in window into 5 and 10 year increments it's cool. probably on the back half that makes sense 5 to 10 years out all right, fair enough. So what's in the short, what's the next thing in the bracket? What's the next thing that nobody knows you're working on? How's that? See, I got the, two questions out of this. That's okay. Adrian asked like <laughs> seven. So the, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, nobody, that nobody knows I'm working on. Yeah. That nobody knows is just rattling in your head, but is actually pretty high. Oh, up like just an idea. Like nothing I'm actually taking action on. Yeah. As long as nobody really knows about it. Something that would surprise anybody who's made it this far into the podcast. I think I've discussed most of them. I, I don't keep a lot of secrets, man. Um, I think Rocky asked me in the very first one that I ever did, and I would, I really want to. I'll give you, I'll give you like the, so, get the get the other gym, grinding and moving the way that I want it, so that it replicates the feel and the culture right. that you get when you get in here. Um, do that, grow that, you know, have staff that you know fits the bill of, of Cassidy and, and myself, and that just takes time. So that's 36 months. Yep. Uh, in that 36 months, it's also uh, helping Phil and these guys grow the weightlifting program, and it's also getting into training sports-specific athletes, uh, kids, whether that's here or whether it's off-site. Uh, but that is very likely going to happen very soon. And then from there, potentially another facility. I don't know where. I, I'm not really there yet. But um, but from there, then it's like then I'm starting to think a, a little bit m uh, bigger picture where it's like, OK, now we start having discussions about c is it possible for us to do some sort of integrative health within our facilities where we're offering alternatives to healthcare stuff like that, like re like uh, like obnoxious big ideas. Um, pie in the sky is by that that sports facility over there, like right around the corner. That'd be nice. uh, yeah, it's a hundred and whatever it is. It's uh, easily a hundred and fifty thousand square feet. Uh, yeah, and and then running, you know, sports specific camps, sports specific training, CrossFit, personal training, you know, running programs for kids, um, um, having leagues, stuff like that. Um, but y you know, the idea is to have as large of an impact on health and wellness in our community as humanly possible with no cap on what that looks like. So, um, yeah, super grandiose stuff. Yeah. The idea is trying to reverse that 
and find out like okay what's that first step look like in order to get there yeah, in 10 maybe even 20 years probably closer in that 15 to 20 years all right last question okay why when you're a division one basketball <laughs> athlete right right why do we not have a basketball hoop in our facility anywhere not even outside nothing I think the only time I've seen well, you dribble a basketball. I can't have one in here. It, it, so the 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 ceilings are too short in here. The ceilings are like barely 15 feet here. So if you shoot a basketball correctly, you're going to throw it higher than 15 feet. That's true, but there's not that. one outside either. There is I've outside. The landlord is a little weird about me putting stuff outside. Ah. So the and oddly, I was over at the field house the other day and the Virginia Beach field house, and they had a basketball court there. And I, for the life of me. They have a lot of stuff over there, but I could not find a basketball, and I really wanted to shoot a basketball. Um, I would burn a lot of time just because I I don't have a desire to play basketball anymore, but when I get a basketball in my hand, I'm very happy. I just, I'll just diddle with it forever. I figure you spent so much time doing uh, it. Yeah, I, think the I, only time I still I've, do love the sport. I think the only time I've, uh, I've really seen you do anything with it was teaching Alan to dribble. I think it's funny. Nobody in the CrossFit world knows that part of my life. But if you grew up with me up until, you know, tw until I was 24, that's I was a, a basketball player. That's like, all, that's you were, all yeah. I did. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would be surprised at my skill level in the sport of basketball. I just don't think you play that long. And I, I can still do a lot of stuff with a basketball. Well, some, some of it's going to be riding a bike. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, I bet if Duncan, you shoot, if I bet you shoot a mil not a thing. it's definitely not a thing. That's one of the that's one of the <laughs> skills that I've lost the most is just jumping uh, and really, really uh, vertical stuff. But yeah, uh, it is like riding a bike. You, you shoot a million shots, you, you're not going to lose the ability to shoot. You can get a little rusty, but it'll take you I don't know 20 minutes to figure it out. So, um, but yeah, cool. All right, guys. Um, if you guys got questions for Matt, if you got questions for us about like. Any of the stuff we were talking about with regarding to training kids, autism, stuff like that. We're not specialists, but we, we have got some experience with it. Um, hit us up. If you want to follow us on social media, uh, again, all of these podcasts are housed on YouTube and on our website, CrossFit Rife on Facebook, CrossFit Rife on Instagram. Hit us up, CrossFitRife.com. Thanks for watching. Thanks for your time, bro. See you guys. Later.